What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to the Osmo Early Bird Podcast. It's your old pal Emac coming to you with Greg Ehrenberg as we get you ready here for Thursday. So happy it's Thursday. September 3rd. NBA. Nay. MLB action. Do you know what's going to be fun, Greg? These shows are not going to overlap. Oh, that is true because we have the the different time, the the terrible start times for for baseball tomorrow. Where there's what well, looks like it's a six game main slate on DraftKings that starts at four o'clock, and the games go up until the last game that starts, which is at nine forty, uh, the Diamondbacks Dodgers game, and then FanDuel's main slate just a three game slate. So we're all over the place. And then, to, as those of you wondering, why did we say basketball? Well, they're tipping off at six thirty. That would be Toronto at Boston, game uh, three. Boston, of course, leads that series 2-0. And then Denver and the Clippers will have game one of their series at 9 o'clock. So I am speculating we will probably do the baseball live before lock for the 4 o'clock slate on DraftKings, cover any of the things that come out for uh, the lineups that are out, and they'll talk FanDuel and just break down all the games for you. And as we know, we usually can predict who is going to be the starters here. The crucial getaway games, uh, there's a 1 o'clock and I think a 3 o'clock game that aren't on any slates right now. One of them, the 1 o'clock game, looks like it has some weather, uh, potential weather issues. That's in Pittsburgh uh, as the Cubbies are finishing up their series there. Then there's a 2 o'clock game, Texas wrapping up their series in Houston. We're going to skip those two just because they're not really on any particular slate and we could lose one of them. But we'll talk about the six games beginning at 4 o'clock here. Reminder, we are sponsored by Yahoo. They just released their NFL Week 1 contest. Week 1 is right around the corner here. They're going with the half-million-dollar baller. It is a half-a-million-dollar prize pool. $10 per entry, 150 entry max, and they do have CSV edit and upload capabilities. So it will be a lot easier to manage your lineups over there this year. Um, they fixed that towards the end of last year where you could upload your CSV, but you could not do mass edits via your CSV. But now you can do the, uh, the whole kit and caboodle there. And they just posted their contest on Wednesday uh, around lunchtime. So that is uh, what there is going on over there. And then we are wrapping up content here for the Osmo season-long best ball uh, drafts, but that is still for sale and available. And there will also be content throughout the season, uh, waiver wire pickups and such, uh, some think pieces, etc. So that that's a pretty good deal. $29.95 for that. But if you also sign up over at the FFPC and utilize your account with the same email address you signed up with Osmo, if you reach out to Osmo support, we will work with them to get you a $35 credit over at the FFPC. So it's like you're getting five bucks. Not a bad way to do it. 
All right, game one here, Greg. We've got the Washington Nationals, the Philadelphia Phillies, Anibal Sanchez back in our lives. Feels like you and I get to talk about him a lot. Going against Zach Eflin, who, for whatever reason, the way my brain stores information, I think him of him and Robbie Erlin as the same person, which I really shouldn't because one's a lefty, one's a righty. Their names are not the same, but that's how my brain stores information. So they are always tripping me up. I'm not excited about either pitcher here. Uh, Six-run implied total for the Phillies. That's jumping off the page. What do do we do with that information? (laughs) Reminder, only 12 pitchers. We got to play two of them (laughs) on DraftKings. Yeah, and I don't think either of these two are going to be ones that I'm really excited to roster. I mean, we we have, I think the two of us have covered maybe all of Anibal Sanchez's starts except for one of them. And uh, we've stacked against him, or at least said to stack against him most of these times, and more often than not, it's worked out. I mean, we look at his numbers for the year, 6.9 ERA, 6.08 FIP, so it's not like he's been unlucky to have such a high ERA. The, uh, the strikeouts are a career low for him. He's struggling to generate swing and misses. And then also a guy who allows a lot of fly balls, only a 35% ground ball rate, and then a 19% home run to uh, home run to fly ball rate. So. He's not striking guys out. He's giving up a lot of contact. A lot of that contact's going in the air, and a lot of those balls are leaving the ballpark. All of that equals uh, not good results for fantasy or real life. It's going to be pretty hard to get away from the Phillies offense on this one. Yeah, and when you see a fly ball rate, like a lot of times fly ball rates are usually like 10 to 12 to 15, and then you, you start to think about it. You're like, well, if somebody has a lot of ground balls, okay, then that makes sense that they don't give up a lot of home runs. Anibal's given up eight home runs already this season. Four of them did come in his first game. He allowed two in his last game against Boston, one in the game before that against Miami, none against Atlanta in Atlanta, and then one against the Mets in New York. But what Greg is saying there, the, the 19% fly ball rate, that uh, home run to fly ball rate, that means about one out of five fly balls hit off him, go bye-bye. <laughs> That's a big number when you look at it that way. Especially when you don't generate ground balls. Correct. So they're they're not only are they getting him on profit margin, they're making it up with volume. <laughs> it's like the exact opposite of Costco. So uh, be careful. Be careful there. Uh, any anybody stand out in particular? Jay Bruce, uh, probably a little little Bryce Bryce Revenge Harper. He's got to got to pay him back for finally winning the World Series without him. Uh, a- anybody in particular besides those two? Some of the righties maybe. Yeah, so you mentioned Jay Bruce at 2900 That's a price tag that uh, immediately jumps out. Um, Didi Gregorius at 4400 He's hitting near the top of the lineup now. That's a reasonable price tag. Uh, Andrew McCutcheon's only $4,100. Uh, so those are the guys that I think make for the best per-dollar plays. I mean, some of the more obvious guys like JT Romuto and Bryce Harper, they're fine for stacks, but uh, 6000 for Harper and 5100 for Romuto. So it, it's hard to get a ton of them into lineups just because of those price tags. Um, but they would certainly be viable. The guys that I want to be focusing on would be some of those cheaper bats. And then, like you mentioned, Jay Bruce being the, the best one relative to salary. All right. How about Eflin? 1.92 home run, or, uh, home run per nine rate, 17.3% fly ball rate. That's since the beginning of 2018. Again, 618 left or lefty-righty matchups there. 35% hard contact rate. Nothing's lining up in his favor on this one. I guess, no, not even the 20.6% strikeout rate that's kind of about league average ish what do what are we doing from the national side because they're not quite getting the love uh they only have 4.6 implied run total i would have figured they'd be closer to five in this matchup if Uh, not like 5.1 5.2 all right so now that we're talking i'm looking at eflin's uh stats he's actually been really good this year um 
he has a 4.1 ERA, which I mean, that's whatever middle of the road, but the underlying numbers, 2.73 FIP, a 3.04 XFIP, uh, 12.65 strikeouts per nine innings. The walks are in check. Uh, it looks like Eflin's been a pretty solid pitcher with a little bit of bad luck. He's a 365 Babbitt this year. So looking at all these numbers a little bit more, I think that Eflin at only 7,800 on DraftKings, maybe not somebody I'm thrilled to play against the Nationals, but given what the other options are on the slate, it looks like that he's a, a viable option as an SP2. So here's the, the interesting one. His last two starts back-to-back against Atlanta. So uh, two starts ago, he went five and a third innings, three earned runs, six strikeouts, three walks, 16 uh, DK points. He got the win. Then back home in the next start, a few days later, he went seven innings, one run allowed on a solo shot, eight strikeouts, no walks. It's like he knew what they thought they thought was coming from him, and he he took care of business. Usually you don't see that. The second game usually is a, a anti-pitching uh, performance by about 10%. If you look across all starts that are back-to-back, we, we tend to remember, though, they got blown up. Yeah, they don't always get blown up. It's surprising to see somebody handcuff the team, especially a team like Atlanta. But um, that goes to show when you, you kind of want to look at different data cuts here. I like to go back um, two years, especially for this volatile season. But as Greg is, is uh, prudently pointing out here, we don't know exactly, even though we're five weeks into the season which and we're 60% done, we don't know exactly still where all these guys are. There have been people that have missed uh, for COVID, normal um, injury list times. We don't know exactly how built up some of these guys are. And then you've got other guys that are rolling in complete mid-season form that are just crushing everything. And then you've got price tags like they're rolling in mid-season form for guys that are getting 60 and 70 pitches. So we just got to be careful with all that. On to our next game here, Battle of New York, the Subway Series. We have J.A. Happ um, going against Robert Gazelman. You've got Happ coming in with, let's see, he's at 8,900. This is his four, fifth start of the season. Uh, he had 90 pitches, 75-66 in his last three. I'm not that excited. I actually believe in the Mets at this point. Yeah, so I, like to, issue... I like to throw around hashtag LOL Mets. I haven't done that once this year, and I barely did it last year. Yeah, they've, they've been fine. Uh, Hap has not looked good this year. I mean, he, he only has a 4.05 ERA. We look at those underlying numbers, 6.15 FIP, a 6.10 XFIP, basically the same amount of walks and strikeouts. Uh, he's another guy uh, buoyed by some odd BABIP here. 167 BABIP for, for Jay Hap in his limited outings this year and then like you said also with the pitch count has been generally lower for him this year he did go 90 pitches last start so maybe that is full innings for him going forward also that was a start against the Mets and he that was easily his best start of the season but still I look at those underlying numbers and with the high walks the low strikeouts and then just really just a ridiculously low Babbitt I, I have to think that uh, some some regressions coming the way of Hap going forward and I'm much more much more interested in the Mets side of the game than Hap as a pitcher. That I would definitely uh, agree with here. Any bats stand out in particular? The the reacquired Todd Frazier, uh, J.D. Davis, assuming he continues to be. Are these, am I on the right draft? How is DraftKings priced everybody 3,000 or less outside of Todd Frazier? Yeah, the, the pricing here is ridiculous. Like Pete Alonzo, who hit a home run to Jupiter today, he hit, I think it was like the, the ninth home run in the history of Camden Yards hit to the upper deck. So maybe that's a good sign of things to come for Alonzo. But yeah, the pricing here is ridiculous. I mean, Wilson Ramos, who's always hit left-handed pitching well, is 2,500. 
Uh, Pete Alonso's 3000 I, I get that he hasn't been as good this year as he was last year, but that's a ridiculous price for him against a pretty middle-of-the-road lefty. Todd Frazier, 3700 J.D. Davis, 2800 These are FanDuel uh, prices on DraftKings. Yeah, th- these, are, these are really ridiculous prices. Like, it, it's prices... <laughs> You would expect these are the prices we used to get. Remember when like Prime Kershaw was pitching, yes. and they would just be like, "Hey, everybody's two thousand <laughs> against them, and they're probably not gonna hit anyway." That's that's how they're like they're giving they're giving J Hap the Prime Kershaw treatment on DK, and it's it's a little weird. Yeah, that one is it's just out there. Uh, on the other side, you have uh, Zellman here. He is fifty two hundred. I bring this up because again, we got to play two pitchers. Uh, his last start, again, he's not going to go very deep, but he he went 57 pitches prior to that, 47 prior to that, 33. So I figure he's going to be in around that 60 range. They're not necessarily ramping him up to be a starter. They're comfortable with him um, just going out as, as an extended opener, but uh, they're not worried about him qualifying for the win or anything like that. But the pricing is nice at 5,500. Uh, in the matchup against the Yankees, four strikeouts on those 57 pitches allowed just one solo shot there. As a price play, I'm I'm not going to hate on it. He's probably like a 10% guy for me. Um, any thoughts on him, or is he kind of a stay away? I like how we have a different... So Terry and I, the, the the shows are good because we he does FanDuel more and I do DraftKings. I think you and I have a different approach to pitching. I agree with your approach in normal years. I, mine's a little different this year, but it gives a nice dichotomy of different ways of looking at stuff so people can kind of um, have their foundational look overnight and just kind of see what they should be thinking about for their playing pool player pool depending on their size. Um, are you kind of not expecting to get Giselman? Yeah, I doubt I'm going to get to him. I mean, you look at his last start against the Yankees where he threw 57 pitches, only gave up one run, made it through four innings. I view that as like a ceiling mm-hmm. outing for, for Giselman, and he still only scored 12.6 DK mm-hmm. points. So I just look at that, and it, it's hard for me to really realistically see the ceiling for him in a GPP that's going to make him on winning lineups. Like the, the path would be he does something similar to last game where he scores like 12 fantasy points, and then – Uh, all the other pitchers just suck, which, I mean, you know, that's always possible, but it's not really something that I'm going to bet on happening. I'm I'm probably not going to have Gazelman in my player pool. Yep, and that makes sense. And the the other counter move or reasoning on why I'm doing this is I'm searching to get the bats that are going to get the two home run game uh, and and luck into it by having more salary. Now, we just talked about how the Mets are essentially buy one, get one free. But literally, they're buy one, get one free. But in in kind of a more what we've seen for the last five weeks in pricing, that's sort of been my strategy, just a different approach, embracing the variance in a slightly different way. So I'm looking at guys that are cheap for that second pitcher that aren't going to go negative. And I completely agree that I would be doing cartwheels for the 12 DraftKings point performance that he had in his last one. I'm hoping like like a median outcome for me would be like be like eight, nine, ten points, but not going negative. And if we just look ahead at some of our other key pitchers, we've got Kershaw, Dylan Cease. We already talked about Hap. Clevenger's going to be making his debut against the Angels. He's going to be wildly popular. Um, you've got Andrew Haney, Zach Eflin, uh, Annabelle Sanchez, Danny Duffy, Martin Perez, Gazelman, and then an inexplicably cheap Taiwan Walker, uh, who is going to be making his start for Toronto. Of those guys... Who feels safe? Clevenger against the Angels, maybe. Dylan Cease against Kansas City. And I like to mix and match, but I'm looking at a bunch of guys that could potentially go negative. So playing this all the way through to connect the dots, that's where I'm getting to happen. Or, I mean, a, a Gazelle Manette at that 10 15% range. So just to think that all the way through for everybody listening so they know where I'm coming from. 
Yeah, I'd, I'd rather roster Walker for $700 cheaper, and it doesn't necessarily mean that I think that he's safe by any means. I just think that he's probably a better pitcher than Gazelman. Uh, easier matchup because the Red Sox offense hasn't been any good this year and $700 cheaper. So all that considered. And also there's more pitch count upside for Walker. Yep. He's averaging 16 DK points per start this year. So at 4,800, I mean, if you get an average start for him, that's the crushing relative to the other pitchers on this slate. Alrighty. Let's, uh, let's leave these four o'clock games behind. We're on to the seven o'clock hour. We have uh, San Diego in Los Angeles, actually in Anaheim taking on the Angels. Clevenger, as I mentioned, 8,700, making his debut in his last outing, went 86 pitches. That was on August uh, 26th. The, the one prior to that, he went 102 pitches. That was on August 5th. That's also when he went out, had a little bit of fun, and then got kind of suspended from the team, or not suspended, uh, relegated down to the alternate training site because he broke uh, safety protocols by going out after the game. And subsequently, he's been traded, not really because of that, but that probably didn't help his cause. He's 8,700. What do you think his projected popularity is going to be on DraftKings? 50, 60%? It's so hard to say because, I mean, all right, so let's start with this. We haven't talked about him yet. Kershaw is by far going to be the most popular pitcher, right? Like, I feel pretty safe saying that as I'm looking at this right here. Kershaw, 10,300 plus matchup against the Diamondbacks. He's going to be the, the number one most popular. Um, I think Taiwan Walker will draw a little bit of ownership all the way down to 4,800. Um, Eflin could be popular. I'll say that Clevenger is going to be in the 35 to 40% range, and that's just throwing out a random number the night before just because the options are, are so lacking. I think that people are going to look at Clevenger, new team, and I think people are just kind of drawn to the excitement of that and a little bit of narrative around that. At the same time, too, Clevenger is a really good pitcher. And it's hard to get away from him on a, on a small slate where the pitching options aren't really all that good. So Clevenger this year, we don't have all that much information on him because uh, like you said, he was relegated and then he came back, kind of had a little bit of a showcase. Yeah. 86 <laughs> pitches. He still looked pretty good though. It was one of his better starts. Oh, the year. Yeah. It, was a tough, it was a tough matchup against the twins still six innings, six strikeouts, two runs to just one walk. And, Earlier in the year when he was struggling a little bit, the issue was control. So it, it's really encouraging to see him make it through six innings against the Twins with only one walk. Uh, I, I'm going to assume that Clevenger is going to be one of the better pitchers in the league going forward just because he's been one of the better pitchers in the league the last few years. Uh, 8700 I think the price tag's right on Clevenger. I, I like him a lot. Yeah, and his, uh, let's see, strikeout rate over his last – oops, that's Kershaw. Uh, Clevenger over his last 667 uh, righty's face is 33%. That is phenomenal. That's kind of up in the uh, Scherzer Verlander range against lefties. It is still respectable at 24% over 735 lefties. So I really like him a lot and will be, he'll, I will probably take a stand and try to get above the field on him, but we'll see how things shake out. On the other side, you've got Andrew Heaney, who has gone. Uh, here's a guy in midseason form. What are we going to get? I don't know. 104, 97, 101 uh, were his pitch count in his last three. He has the unenviable task of going against a just bursting at the seams San Diego Padres offense that got some extra bats. They picked up uh, Mitch Moreland at a trade deadline. They got Austin, not Aaron Nola. As Greg likes to call him, Austin Nola. Wait, no, that's what I like to call him. Uh, you've got Austin Nola probably will, will be behind the dish uh, in place of also newly acquired Jason Castro. 
that's the, near the bottom of the lineup. Top lineup, you got Grisham, Tatis, uh, Machado, Hosmer. They did put Will Myers on the uh, injured list on Wednesday night, so that does take one bat out, but they're not even going to lose a step here with those other acquisitions. How do you want to attack or roll the dice with the Southpaw, Andrew Heaney? Yeah, I mean, Heaney, it, it is a tough matchup against the Padres because they've had a really good offense this year, but Heaney's been a guy that I've targeted a lot this year, especially lately, and he, he has great underlying numbers. Like, the, the strikeouts are great. He's not walking people as much as he has in the past, which has been an issue. He's just another guy who's suffered from a little bit of bad luck in a small sample size to where he does have a 4.62 ERA, but he's a 2.77 FIP. So the issue for him, like some, it's weird. A lot of these pitchers on the slate, they either have inflated or depressed Babbitts, and there really aren't a lot of guys who are like around that 300 mark that we'd expect. And so we look at Heaney, 320 Babbitt for the season, a really low 63.3% strand rate. Those numbers are both going to normalize a little bit, and then Heaney's going to be better going forward. That's why that 4.62 ERA, I don't think is really indicative of how good of a pitcher he is. Uh, the 2.77 FIP is probably a little bit too low. He's probably going to be somewhere in between there and be a guy with an ERA in like the mid to high threes range. Uh, at 8,400 on DraftKings, he's viable. Uh, I prefer Clevenger for a little bit more. I prefer, I prefer paying up for Kershaw. Uh, I think that Heaney's in play, though, just probably not going to be a guy who I have a ton of exposure to just because there's other options I, I like better. Let's head on. Three to go. The other 7 o'clock game, Toronto at Boston. New acquisition, Taiwan Walker is going to get the start. This will be his second one. He got his uh, number called. I hate when they do this. What are you tripped up on? <laughs> well, if I look at the, the, the DK game logs are interesting because it says he was facing Seattle, but he really wasn't because he was on Seattle. They, they don't do the best when they flip that. So I was trying to remember in the top of my head who he was going against and if it was Baltimore. It was indeed Baltimore um, in his last start. 92 pitches. His his pitch count has been good. 92, 106, 98. He has strikeout upside. He never quite harnessed it. Uh, was dealt from the Mariners to Arizona um, in a with Cattell uh, Marte back for Gene Segura and Mitch Haniger. Uh, once upon a time, he's just been. He had a good first season there, but then has been snake bit. See what I did for the Diamondbacks? Snake bit with injury. Uh, Mariners reclaimed him with the with an eye on trading him at some point. Obviously, they did. He's 4,800. There's not much else to say besides that. You're getting – It's. I still think Boston is a dangerous matchup. They have gotten rid of a lot of their key bats, uh, but they're still pretty decent. But 4,800, the guy with strikeout ability, I, I don't hate it um, uh, for this one. And for me, it's a price play, and I, I think you're, you're absolutely right that this will be a popular one on uh, Thursday for good reason. Yeah. So the other thing too, is, I mean, we look at the Red Sox offense against right-handed pitching this year. And I mean, there's still some name value to the Red Sox where we look at their, at their lineup and some of the hitters and you just kind of assume, well, they're the Red Sox, right? right. They have to be good. And it just hasn't been the case this year. We're halfway through the year and they're still not really hitting particularly well. So, I mean, I'm fine with targeting against them. The Red Sox against right-handed pitching 93 WRC plus a 24.8% strikeout rate. That's all pretty favorable for pitchers. Talon Walker, kind of like an end of the rotation type guy he's also been a little lucky to only have uh a 3.27 era this year but i mean 4800 the price is i mean the price can't get really any better than that he's close to min price and then in a 
somewhat favorable matchup against the Red Sox. Like, yeah, I think that he's the best way to save salary pitcher. Yeah, if we and just throwing out some of the baseline numbers for the key Red Sox, uh, Devers. These are just on the season numbers: uh, two fifty nine average, four sixty eight slugging. Uh, Bogarts two ninety four average, four fifty eight slugging. That's pretty good. JD Martinez, the uh, deal with the devil apparently expired, batting two twenty, three oh seven on base percentage, which is god awful. Uh, three ninety uh, slugging, uh, and then we're down to guys like Kevin Pawlicki. Uh, Jackie Bradley Jr., Dahlbeck, who's uh, one of their up-and-coming youngsters, uh, the veteran journeyman, Jose Peraza, is not as exciting. Um, let's see, Moreland, obviously no. Um, well, he's, on the, he's on the Padres. No, now. I know. And who's uh, no Mookie Betts, and they've turned now into Verdugo and Dahlbeck, I guess. That does lose a lot of punch there. Um, so th- the other thing, too, is here's the situation where the Red Sox are appealing to me is what's the ownership getting at being on Taiwan Walker tomorrow? Cause even though Walker makes for a great per dollar play, if everybody's just looking at the pricing of pitchers tomorrow and they're like, Oh, there's nobody to roster. So I'm going to play Taiwan Walker on almost all my lineups. And then that leads to Taiwan Walker being like 60% owned or something ridiculous. Then that's where you look at the, at, at the Red Sox sack and say, well, there's leverage here. Uh, but just as it is per dollar, Taiwan Walker looks like one of the stronger plays on the slate and the Red Sox aren't a team. I have a whole lot of interest in it would, it would only be ownership situation that would get me on them as a play. Yeah. And that's, and similar to how you were discussing that on the live before lock that we did together, where you were mentioning that uh, the white Sox were worthwhile as a bit of a leverage play for you against Jose uh, Barrios, just because so many crazy things can happen when you're a pitcher. I mean, I always like to say, you know, you're, you're 30 year, 30 year starts, you're going to be locked in. You're going to be awesome. Third of them, you're just going to be bad. And then that middle third, that that's what separates you from being a good pitcher and a bad pitcher. If you're a good pitcher, you're the, you can elevate that crappy bottom third to the middle third and that middle third closer to, to having your stuff. You fight through it. You learn how to pitch. You know, you do all that. <laughs> and th- those are the guys that, that, that do well. Then the other guys, those are the gas cans. Those are the guys that are their innings eaters and just go out and survive. And that's what we've got on the other side here in Martin Perez. So I do want to point out Martin Perez, not a great pitcher, a lot of ground balls. He doesn't get blown up. He gives up some home run and some power, but he doesn't put a ton of guys on base because he gets out of a lot of this with ground balls and gets double plays and, and, and you know, timely saves. So he's someone you're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go against Martin Perez. You don't really want to roster him, but if you go full stack against him, you're going to be disappointed more often than not, uh, in my opinion. But what, are we, what is your approach with a, a Martin Perez type pitcher? Uh, so I think the other thing, too, is that it's not necessarily that the Blue Jays are the best offense or best team to target anyway. I mean, if we look at them against left-handed pitching this year, uh, 111 WRC plus. So that's, that's solid. That's fine. We can target them. Uh, but it, it's not, it's not a team that I'm dying to target either. It, it's probably going to be like a four or 5% own stack for me where it'll be like, Hey, I'll have some of them. Cause Martin Perez, I don't think is a very good pitcher, but l- and like we still said, get the Boston bullpen. <laughs> yeah, still get that. that that's, that's true too. <laughs> Uh, you know what's funny now is if you go to the Red Sox uh, team depth chart, they have two starting pitchers listed listed on their depth chart now that now that Uvalde is on the on the uh, on the injured list. So who is it besides Perez? Uh, Perez and oh crap, I don't remember what who are the who are the terrible players on this team. Um, I don't even remember off the top of my head, but it's all right. So Uvalde's on the on the injured list. 
I'm trying bringing to get it up there now. real quick. Um, so anyway, as for the Blue Jays, uh, like I was, I was Zach Godley. Yeah, you're right. So yeah, yeah, because their other two listed guys are Colton Brewer and Chris Moss. <laughs> yeah, those guys are not starters. They probably shouldn't be in the league. Moss and uh, maybe, so, maybe I don't know about Colton Brewer. So for the Blue Jays, uh, worth a very small percentage of stacks, and then like you said, probably more for the Red Sox bullpen than actually Perez himself. And uh, no interest in Perez for me, just because there's no strikeouts there. He gives up runs. So it's, it's just hard to see a path to a, to a big game from him. All right, two games to go. We're now into the 8 o'clock hour, our lone 8 o'clock game. We have the White Sox and Kansas City. This one will be in Kansas City, Missouri. Not Kansas, Kansas City, Missouri. You've got, let's see here, Dylan Cease, 9,500. He has gone 93, 101, 104, 101, 99, and 83 pitches in his last few starts. This will be the third time he has faced the White Sox. He has more than held his own. He's gone 10 innings against them, allowed just two home runs, nine strikeouts, seven walks. Not really happy about that, but just three earned runs. 2-6-1 ERA, 1-2-6 whip. Uh, he is most definitely in play. Where do you rank him against Clevenger? Uh, and I'm so assuming you'll still have Kershaw a little bit above both. But he'll be our next guy we talk about after so Danny Dylan Cease, Dylan Cease, I mean, we, we've talked with Dylan Cease a few times this year also. Um, really good stuff as a prospect, but it just hasn't equated to strikeouts. Like, he, he doesn't have more than five strikeouts in any starts this year. Um, and he barely has more strikeouts than walks. So I don't understand why he keeps getting priced up so high. The, the matchup against the Royals is favorable, uh, but he started against the Royals twice this year and scored 18 and 13 DraftKings points. So I, I think that he has maybe a little bit of a floor, but I just don't see very much ceiling from him because he scored over 18 points once this entire season. It was in a really favorable matchup against the Tigers. So Cease, uh, a pitcher with upside, I think, potentially a future ace in, in, in the league just because of how live his arm is fastball. It's upper nineties, but until he generates more swing and misses, I, I just don't see him being a guy that I'm going to very often in DFS because he, he's always one of the most expensive pitchers on, on slates. And it's just not really ever worthwhile. If you look at him for the year, he does have a 3.0 ERA, but 6.2 FIP, he's buoyed by another guy, uh, 235 BABIP, 88% strand rate. And those numbers are both going to regress. So Dylan Cease, even with the lucky ERA, is, is not really putting up great fantasy performances. He averages uh, 13.8 DraftKings points per start. All right. Uh, Danny Duffy, I do want to talk about him because there will be a later slate as well. We're, we're pro- on the two pitcher sites. He's going to be in the conversation. There is just no way around it. However, he is facing a White Sox team that has been, I don't, I can't think of a superlative for them. They have a 158 WRC plus against left-handed pitching this season. So that's that's their their full uh, group of players. Just their current active roster that jumps up to 160. So weighted runs created plus is basically it's an advanced metric that's been created to neutralize ballpark factors and develops a, a, or standardizes a league-wide normalization baseline of scoring efficiency at 100. So for them being at 160, that means they are creating slash scoring runs 60% more efficiently than the average team when they are facing lefties. That is godlike, uh, for lack of a better term. The uh, Royals, who I, or probably not the Royals, um, the uh, Astros, who I would put as one of the best teams against lefties over the last three years. If you look at their 
their key guys uh, over that time frame, including the garbage can time frame, they're at like 130. And they were like one of the highest we've seen. Now, granted, again, this is just this season, but that's freaking phenomenal. So Danny Duffy, this is, this is a hard matchup for him. Your thoughts, sir? Yeah, so with that said, Danny Duffy, I mean, he scored 14 DraftKings points against the White Sox in his last start. And he scored at least 14 DraftKings points in all but two of his starts so far this season. So I think the 7,100 price tag is reasonable. He has 40 strikeouts and 35 innings for the year. So there's definitely the strikeout potential for him pretty much any time he pitches. Uh, like you said, not necessarily the greatest matchup. Uh, this is also going to be another one where how much Danny Duffy I want to roster is going to depend on ownership. If the White Sox are going to be the highest owned team on the slate or something like that, then I'm a little more apt to get to Danny Duffy. Uh, as is, he's a guy who I have like a moderate amount of interest in. Uh, I want to get some exposure to him. He'll be in my player pool. Uh, not like a massive amount, though, maybe like 10 to 15% or something like that. And then I'll also make some White Sox sacks. All right. And for perspective, so I, I've just expanded my filters to go back to the beginning of the 2018 season. So as I mentioned, the Astros are sitting there with a 130 WRC+. plus. The White Sox, same collection of players on their team, but their results from wherever they were in those prior years. Um, they're at 108 for their WRC+. plus. So you can see they're hitting out of their mind. But sometimes that's going to happen, and that we've we've all seen it. Teams kind of seem to feed off each other, and when they can all get locked in, craziness can happen, and that's what it seems like is going on right now for the White Sox because they just don't seem to have any easy outs. So it's a, it's a difficult matchup, but we want to uncover that just because there is going to be a later slate there. All right, final game of the night. I don't see a pitcher listed for Houston. I'm going to see, or for Arizona. I'm going to see if I can track that down. Go ahead and talk about Kershaw. 10,300, relatively uh, low uh, implied run total, 3.2 there for Arizona. It's going to be in the low 80s and then dip down into the mid 70s during game time. It's a 640 start in Los Angeles, 940 Eastern time. What do you got for us on Kershaw? Yeah, I think Kershaw is by far the top pitcher on this slate. I mean, he's just doing his normal thing this year. It's kind of funny, too, because it's not necessarily that people think that Kershaw is, you know, wash, but I think people keep looking at Kershaw and saying, like, oh, he's not an elite pitcher anymore. And people, they were always looking for reasons to say that Kershaw isn't one of the higher end pitchers in the league anymore. And I kind of think there's always some reason to be skeptical of him coming into the year because, you know, he gets older. He has a big workload. He started the year hurt before the first start of the season. He got scratched, it was a back injury. So I think you just look at some of that stuff. Where it's like, oh, back injury for Kershaw, right to start the season. Uh, velocity has dipped the last couple of years. Then he just shows up and nobody hits him anyway. So that's kind of always the case with Kershaw. And 1.8 ERA for him this year, 24.7 DraftKings points per start. This is despite starting the season with a little bit of a pitch limit. So now he's full go, really favorable matchup against the Diamondbacks. Like you said, 10,300 price tag, even though it's the highest on the slate, it isn't that ridiculous for Kershaw. Like, to me, it's way more ridiculous that he's only $800 more expensive than Dylan Cease because Kershaw is way better than Cease, and a matchup against the Diamondbacks is pretty easy, especially now that they traded away Marte at the trade deadline, and this is a team that's, you know, kind of building for the future and looks like they're punting the rest of the year. So Kershaw is a guy who is probably going to be in a good percentage of my lineups today. Hard to say exactly this far in advance, but I assume he's going to be my highest known player on this slate. All right. It looks like Luke Weaver's going to get the start. I... 
I say that hesitatingly just because the Diamondbacks made enough trades and he's not listed as a starter on all the sites. A couple of them have TBDs and a couple of them have Luke Luke Weaver. I do want to point out he's 8,200 on DraftKings, 71 on FanDuel. You're going to be skeptical like I am once I read these other numbers. His pitch count, 70, 84, 87, 67, 43. His ERA, 8.23. His whip, 1.76. No bueno. The strikeouts, 34 in 27 innings. The rest of it, an absolute disaster. Um, and, and a terrible matchup, too. Yeah, and he's going against the Dodgers, who even if Bellinger sits, and we know uh, Justin Turner uh, landed on the deal, they are still loaded for Bellinger. Yeah, I have, I have no interest in Luke Weaver, and it's kind of crazy he doesn't even have like the Taiwan Walker price tag, right? Like If he was, was 4,800, you, you'd have to think about it, but the fact that he's priced so far up on DraftKings, like that's maybe the easiest pitcher on the slate to, to fade. All right. That's going to do it for us. One of our shorter shows, but that uh, is quite all right. We, of course, will have all sorts of content for you uh, throughout the day on Thursday. Don't forget, we've got golf uh, in action, and we've got some nice uh, single-day uh, information there. I've been not playing the week-long tournaments, but I've been doing some weekend stuff and singles-day stuff just because I've literally been playing every other sport out there, and I found some nice little success here and there uh, with the information. I just more or less make a core group of lineups out of uh, Jason Rosalind's article. I look at our uh, single-game slate projections, and I have a little bit of fun, and it has uh, been nice. I actually have now be- or, uh, grown to prefer the single-game slate golf contests over the four-day contests. I never thought I would say that. Here we are. Any final thoughts before we get on out of here, Greg? Uh, no, I'm pretty excited to watch the final few seconds of the, uh, of the, of the Milwaukee Bucks-Miami Heat game. All right. With that, <laughs> gamers, good luck. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 